And I will say what you've probably heard me say a few times, but I want to remind you of. Maybe the most important things that you will write on that little small sheet of paper that we provide for you are not the things that this preacher would say. They might be the very personal whispers that God would say to you about your life. So I would invite you to use that pen and use that piece of paper, and let's study God's Word today with really a heart of prayer, saying, God, I'm open. What do you want to speak to me about in my life today? Now, we started a brand new series last week, and you, you can tell how serious I am about a series by how long the series is, okay? Um, this series that we just started called Strong Life is eight weeks, okay? It's going to go all the way to right, up in, right before the summer, and I'm going to be talking about a lot of big issues. Last week, we talked about Stronger in Faith. And by the way, if you missed last Sunday's message, I would strongly encourage you this week sometime, do two things. Do two things for me. Uh, sometime this week, it'll be late in the week, go to harvestpointumc.com. Go to our website, and you will find that somewhere about midweek, you'll find a brand new website. We're launching our website this week. We're very excited about it. It looks totally different. It is really cool. Go to our new website. Check out our new website. Stroll around, find some things. And then the second thing, if you missed last week, you'll be able to stream in to that message last week, the start of this brand new series, uh, Stronger in Faith. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about Stronger in Character, and I hope you've got a Bible in front of you or maybe your technology device. Maybe you're plugged into the Internet already. Maybe you've got your Bible app pulled up and you've got your pen there and you're ready to study. Now, as you'll see today, I am going to kind of laser-like focus on one quality of character, and that is honesty. So I want you to think about something with me for a minute. Followers, people who follow their leader of any kind, if you poll those people and you ask them, what are you looking for from your leaders, one of the things that will always be in a top five list there is honesty and integrity. If you were to ask people what they want in their elected officials and, and they would make a list of that and you polled them, at the very top, right next to the top two or three would be the word honesty. Interestingly enough, what do people want from their pastor and from their church leaders? Yeah, you guessed it again. Honesty, integrity. You know, over and over again, if you were to keep taking a poll of anybody who has a leader of any kind, no matter what that is, it can be community-driven or faith-driven, in your business, every time you'd figure out, once you polled them, honesty matters. Now, today we're going to be talking about strong in character, but the truth of the matter is, you know like I know, character is a broad subject. If I was going to talk about just growing stronger in your character, I'd have to preach a whole series on that. I'd, we'd, we'd talk about courage and endurance and perseverance and discipline. It'd be a lot to do with your character. So today, I kind of want to focus in on what I consider to be kind of the hub of the wheel, where everything else in character goes around that point, and that the hub of the wheel when it comes to character is honesty, honesty, truth-telling. It's, it's like the bullseye when it comes to all of character. It's the bullseye of what character is all about. Now, character, being a broad field, uh, is, is what we're talking about today, but honesty sometimes is just hard to find. I think you and I could agree with that. We want people to be honest. We want them to tell the truth, and we know that it's at the core of character, but sometimes it's 
you, you, you find somebody and they're not being truthfully, they're not being completely honest with you. Maybe they're, maybe they're managing their image. Maybe they're bending something a little way, just that they might call a little white lie. Now, here's what I've recognized about myself, and I don't know about you, I'm just going to talk about me for a minute, okay? I recognize about me that the older I get, the less tolerance I have for any form of dishonesty. Or let me say it this way. I, I have almost, even in my own family, and sometimes my kids might feel like I'm just overkilling this, I have a zero, to- the older I get, I, I'm close to a zero tolerance on any deceit or lies or non-truth telling. And I don't know about you, this is just the way I, I've noticed about myself. The older I get, the less tolerant I am of it. And I've, I guess the answer to why that is, I've tried to examine a little bit, is because as a pastor, I've seen the damage that lies can do. I've seen the trust that's been broken. I've seen families torn apart because of lies. I've seen churches torn down because of deceit and dishonesty. I've seen churches split and destroyed. I've just seen a lot of pain. And the older I get, the more I'm like, I just, I got a zero tolerance for deceit or anything that is non-truthful. Now, here's the irony to that. Okay, you ready? I've told quite the lies in my day, okay? I have been the storyteller. I've been the one who blew it up about my golf score or whatever it was, you know. I have told the stories just like you have. And I look back and I go, wait a minute. Who are you? Who are you to say that you have a zero tolerance on on anything that's deceitful? That's ludicrous. But then it makes me back up and go, wait a minute. If I'm that way, and I am, like you heard me preach two weeks ago, right? I'm a wretch, all right? I'm a wretch. Uh, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Here's what I know about me. I am far from perfect. And I'd love to tell you that that I, I I was on point, never, never varying from anything that was less than truthful. Why? Why do I have such disdain for it? And here's the question. If I am a sinful, missing the mark, mess up, wrongdoing person, if I'm a person who's not told the truth myself, and I get upset about dishonesty and deceit, how much more so a God who is completely perfect, who's never told a lie, who has only, always, ever been honest, who's never once spoken and and something that wasn't the truth, how much more so him might he hate lies? Might he hate dishonesty and deceit? See, it's it's if lies bother you, if any if lies bother you anything like they bother me, then you have to step back and, and you must think yourself, what does it mean about how God must be affected by lies, the one who's only, always, ever been faithful. Today I want to study a scripture. When we're talking about character, we're talking about truth, we're talking about honesty. You want to, God, make me stronger in my character. Make me stronger in my honesty. Today I want to study a scripture with you from Acts chapter 5. You might want to go ahead and turn your scripture there or find it. Acts chapter 5. But before I ever get there, i got to tell you a little bit 
of the story because I'm gonna, today we're going to study one of the most sobering stories in the Bible. You read it and you step back and you go, oh, I don't even know what to make of that. That is serious stuff right there that we just read. So before we do that, real quickly, i got a question for you. I just want to ask you, are you excited about getting stronger in your character? Are you excited about studying this morning? Now, don't lie. Don't lie. I hope that you are excited about studying God's Word this morning, and I hope that you are excited about growing stronger in your character, especially the core of what character is all about, and that is telling the truth. Now, let me give you this story. If you really want to know the full story, you've got to almost turn back to Acts chapter 2 and then kind of read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. But here's the story, all right? The story is that Jesus died on a cross and was buried in a grave, and then, just like he said, three days later, came out of the grave. And he started meeting and walking and talking with people and doing the same miracles that he had done before. And for 40 days, he did that ministry until finally his disciples watched him as his feet came off the ground, and he was ascending into heaven, and Jesus gave them power to do his kingdom work. Well, you probably know the story. Acts chapter 2, Jesus had told the disciples to wait in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them, and, and the game was going to be on, all right? And so the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit gave them a bold witness, and the church exploded. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people that first day became baby Christians, you know. They gave themselves to Jesus Christ, and they believed in the resurrection. And then just a couple of days later, 5,000 people. Gave. So all of a sudden, in the city of Jerusalem, you have this new church that is birthing. And by the way, it's not just exploding. They're doing things right the Bible says they were eating together. They were sharing their possessions together. They were, they were studying uh, the teachings of the apostles together. They were doing things right. They were loving on each other. They were witnessing to other people. So the landscape is this. The church is exploding. People are coming to Jesus in massive numbers. Baby Christians walking around everywhere learning about this new thing called the way. Didn't even have a name for it yet. It wasn't called Christianity at that time. It's called the way because Jesus said, I am the way, right? It was called the way. All the, and, and then all these people are, are doing good things. For example, they are praying bold bold prayers. They're like, I don't care if you throw me in jail. Let's win people for Jesus. I mean, they're praying incredibly bold prayers. And, and not only that, here's the cool thing. Get this. When they pray those bold prayers, God shows up. And the Bible says he does these things called miraculous signs and wonders. So not only is the church exploding, but they're doing the right thing spiritually and relationally, horizontally and vertically. And then God is showing up and the people of Jerusalem are just standing back in awe at what is happening. Now, if you know anything about kind of leading a church or church life, here's why, the way I like to think about it. If that church could do everything it was doing was right, okay? They were doing all the right things, and they were, there was nothing really wrong what they were doing. Everything that can be right for them is going right, and the Holy Spirit is booming through His people until, until a man and a woman lie. Until a man and a woman tell a lie to the leaders of the church. And then all of a sudden, well, can we pick up the Scripture today? 
Acts chapter 4. I want to read it with you. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible says, all, uh, right, right at the end of chapter 4, uh, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus and much, I love this word, grace, much grace was upon them all. By the way, can I just pause there for a minute? Isn't that the church that you want to be a part of where you could say about the people, sorry, I'm about to get emotional, I don't mean to, that the church was devoting itself to the teachings of God and grace was over the church. Just unmerited favor, the gift of God, grace was over the church. Guys, good stuff. This is good stuff going on in this church. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy, pers- needy persons among them. From, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, and they brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So, so get the picture here real quickly. Not only are there baby Christians everywhere, but these baby Christians are seeing that, hey, you know what? Look at all these people. There's poor people here. There shouldn't be poor people here. Let's do something about poor people here. And so they start responding, doing these things that are just anti cultural to them. They start selling stuff they own. They start sharing it and giving it, making sure nobody had a need. One guy did that named Barnabas, and we're about to hear about him. The Bible says, well, well, he's got two names, Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. By the way, Barnabas must have been just one of those encouraging guys. You know, you ever been around somebody where you were around them for five minutes, and all of a sudden you just felt like Wow, I can do more than I think I can, you know? Barnabas must have been a great encourager because the disciples stopped calling him Joseph, and they started calling him Barnabas because he was such an encourager. The Bible says, Barnabas sold a field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Now, he was just one of many people who did that, but it lists him because he's going to become a kind of big character later on in the Bible. And then in verse, five, verse 1 of chapter 5, and this is where it didn't go so well. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, let me just just pause there for a minute. I think one of the reasons Barnabas is mentioned here is because he had done it right. He He had a heart for poor people. He had sold something that was his own. He brought it. And yes, later on, he would go to do great things for the church. And so uh, I think the, the, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, wants us to know that Barnabas did this big thing. But I also think it's important that Barnabas was seen by other people. And, and you would have seen other people do this right. And so this guy named Ananias, this lady named Sapphira, this husband and wife, they they decided they were going to sell a piece of land that they had. And they were going to sell it, and they were going to give it and do what the other people were doing. They were just going to come and lay it at the apostles' feet. But something happened. Now, the Bible says that they made the decision to sell the land together, and that when they sold it, before they, they brought it, they decided that they were just going to take a little portion off of the top. They were going to kind of just skim off the top a little bit. We don't know the amount of that money, but... You know, just put yourself in their place for a minute. Maybe we could keep this portion for us, and we'll give the rest to the church. And and when they did that, though, here's the problem. 
they didn't present it as that, and they didn't tell the truth about it. What they actually did was they skimmed across the top, and then they brought whatever was left, and they said, this is the whole thing. This is what we got for the property. Now, what they did not know was probably two very important things. They did not understand how serious God was about honesty, truth-telling. But secondly, they did not know that the Holy Spirit would give Peter an insight into what they were doing without them knowing it. And so Barnabas comes, and, and he lays down the gift at the apostles' feet, and he says, this is it. And Peter looks at him, and the Holy Spirit kind of gives uh, Peter the understanding. And Peter looks at him and says, why are you lying about this? And you can read the full story there, but he says, you, you, hey, listen, you're, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Why would your heart do such a thing? And, and, and he even says it this way, listen, it's your land. You, you decided you were going to sell the land. You can give what you want to give. You just got to tell the truth on what you give. Don't, don't lie about it. And then he says something very interesting. He looks at Barnabas, and, and in verse 4, what did I say? I'm sorry, he says it to Peter. He says at verse 4, he says to Peter, I'm sorry, Peter says to Ananias, Peter says to Ananias, he says, you have not lied to human beings, which is exactly what Barnabas probably thought he was doing, right? You have not lied to human beings, but to God. A little side note real quickly. Whenever we tell a lie, listen, this is, might be hard for you to fathom. You might want to write in your notes some, sometime. Whenever we tell a lie, we're not telling a lie just to human beings. We're telling a lie to God. God is the source of all truth. He is truth. And whenever we go away from the truth, we're telling a lie against him. And, and Peter gives us the picture right now. Now, here's what we, here's what we do. We convince ourselves that's not the case. We convince ourselves we're just, we're just telling a little fib or we're bending the truth or we're doing some image management with somebody else, and we don't realize what this guy, Ananias, in this very moment is going to realize. So here's what happens. Peter says to him, you didn't just lie to humans. You lied to God. And the Bible says in that moment, Ananias fell on the floor, died. He fell on the floor and died. Now, do not, do not be confused. He didn't have some great heart attack. He didn't have a stress, you know, attack. He, he didn't fall down because all of a sudden his blood pressure got too high. Here's what happened in that moment. God took his life. God said, boom, it was done because he had lied to the church. Now, we'll talk about why God did that in a minute. But right now, let's just step back and go, ooh, that's sobering, isn't it? He lied, and God took his life fell on the floor. Well, young men come in. They get him. They take him out. They go dig a grave. They bury Ananias in the grave. And guess what? A few hours later, the Bible says three hours later, knock, knock, knock on the door, and a, a, a Sapphira comes. His wife comes checking on him. By the way, hey, men, don't our wives do that sometimes? We don't show up at home when we're supposed to, right? Sapphira comes, knock, knock, knock. Uh, and she's probably wondering where, you know, where Ananias, old big A, is. Where is he, you know? And, and she walks in, and before she can even ask, it's almost like Peter asked her the question. Pick it up with me in the Scripture. The Bible says that um, uh, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the, P, the price you and Ananias got for the land? It's almost like he's giving her a chance to not have the fate, right, that her husband just had. But I want you to put yourself in her mind for a minute. She, am I going to tell the lie? Am I going to? Uh, uh, and you know what she does? She thinks the very same thought that you could think. I, I'm not going to say something different than my husband said. I'm going to stand in line with my husband. I'm going to. I'm not going to make him look like a fool. She says, yes. 
Yes, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire? That means do that with somebody else. How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Let me, let me get, you got to get this, okay? She comes in. He looks at her. She's probably looking for big A, right? And he says to her, he says, hey, listen, is this the full price? She says, yes, and, and I'm sure his heart was broken that she would lie in that moment. And he basically says this. This is what he says. He says, shh, shh. Sapphira, listen, listen, listen. You ever looked at a door before and you could see the light under the door? And you could see kind of somebody standing or moving on the other side of the door? That's basically what happens in this moment. He points over to the door, and there's shadows moving and the light coming out of the door. And he says, listen, you hear the footsteps? Those men just came into this very room, picked your husband up off the floor, went out and put him in the grave. God killed him, knocked him dead because he lied. And then he said, the same thing is going to happen to you. She falls over and dies in that moment. They open the door, they come in, they pick her up, and they take her out, and they bury her. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Those young Christians, those young baby Christians all around Jerusalem, they're everywhere. They hear this story, right? Matter of fact, read what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who had heard about these things. Huh? You think? I mean, it'd be like, did you hear what happened over at Peter's place today? I mean, guys. If you were a baby Christian, and you every time you walk by those little fresh graves there, and you just saw two people who lied to the church leaders and they died, you'd be thinking to yourself, evidently God's serious about this lying thing. What's, you know? And if you were a good mom or dad, let me be honest, what you'd do is you'd go home and say, hey, family meeting, family meeting, get here at the table right now. And you'd look across the table at your son or daughter and your wife, you'd say, yes, guess what happened? You say, you know what, that, we, that we, no more lying around this place. God is serious. And I'm serious. You'd be like, you'd be dropping the hammer on your kids. You'd be dropping the, you'd be dropping the hammer on yourself because you saw that God was serious about lies, right? Now, here's what I'm talking about today. I, wanna, I want you to get in your car, and I want you to travel away from this campus today stronger and able to get stronger in your character. And I especially want to talk to you today about how you can do that to be a better, more honest truth teller, okay? I want to challenge you. I want, I want to give you some tools in your bucket today that will help you to walk away from this place going, you know what? I have more resolve now than I did yesterday. I can have more resolve tomorrow and the next day and the next day to tell the truth. I am going to be stronger and stronger and stronger in my character. But I, I've got to get you to follow with me right here. By the way, you hear the rain on the building? That's cool. Every time it rains while I'm preaching, I always think, come on, Holy Spirit, pour on us. That's good stuff, right? All right, good. So, so uh, I want to give you, some, I give you some, uh, some pointers. Just write these down, okay? How can I get stronger at truth-telling? How can I get stronger in my character when it comes to telling the truth and being honest? And the very first thing I want to get you to write down is that you need to recognize how a lie affects the heart of God. That's the starting place. And much of much time we don't want to do that, but let's start there together, can we? Recognize how a lie affects 
the heart of a perfect, pure God who always, only, ever tells the truth. Jesus, one time when he was teaching, he wanted to describe himself to people, and this is how he did it in the Gospel of John. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, I want you to focus on that center one there for a minute. He wasn't saying, I'm a truth. He wasn't saying, I'm some truth. Jesus was saying, you want to know who I am? I am the truth. He was describing who he is in his character. He was describing who his father is in their character. He was saying, listen, you've never heard a false word. I won't tell you a little, a little truth that's bent a little ways of the other way. I won't say this because I want to make myself look better. I don't do that. So when I tell you I love you, I love you. When I tell you I die for you, I will die for you. Jesus says, when I tell you the kingdom is like this, take it to the bank because I am the God of all truth. Now, let me tell you what, let me tell you what I'm hitting on here. Sometimes we don't realize, we, we only think horizontally. We only think about personal relationships this way. And we sometimes ignore the fact, something simple, like everywhere you go, you cannot be somewhere and Jesus not be there. And sometimes we pretend he ain't with us. You know what I'm talking about? But the Bible says if I make my, my bed up in the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed, bed in the depths of the sea, you're there. But sometimes we pretend, right? We pretend he ain't with us. And sometimes we pretend that when we tell a, a, something that is a little deceitful, a little twisted, a little less than truthful, that it's not about him, it's just about us, or it's just about the people we're talking to. What I want you to understand is that there is a vast, vast ocean of difference between who God is and who we are. He is the one who flung the stars in space. He is the God of all power, and He is the God of all truth. Stephen, why was he, why did he do this whole thing? I mean, why did two people have to die? They told a little lie. Why did they have to die? You know, this story from Acts chapter 5 is this early church's birthing, and I want you to see what God is up to because he's communicating with that early church, but he's communicating with us here, a church that exists literally now millennia after this church, okay? What was, he trying, what was God trying to communicate to that early church? That's the question, and you've got to come to grips with that. God was shooting a, a bullet, shooting a cannon over the bow of the boat of this early church, and he was basically saying this, you know how phenomenal it's going right now? You know how you're seeing all these people come to faith? You know how you're giving to the poor? You know how you, you're experiencing grace, the Bible says, over every one of our lives? You know how phenomenal this thing is? Listen, it can go exactly the opposite way. Do you know what a nightmare this thing can become? Do you know if you take what I've given to you, and you take power and dishonesty and corruption, you take all that stuff together, and you, you know, do you know that you can hurt people in my name? You can take my church and where it's not supposed to go. This thing that is so beautiful right now, it can become a nightmare, a nightmare. And he shoots a shot over the early bow of the church, and he says, this is how serious I am 
about doing this the right way. He wasn't going to have it with somebody lying to the church leaders. And he was saying to all the other little baby Christians out there, you know what he was saying? He was saying, pay attention. Because when you lie, when you skim and you lie and you tell, I take it very serious. You know, those graves, those graves were a sign of the seriousness of God. And oh, that if you and I were to walk past fresh graves of somebody who got killed this Sunday in church because they lied, right? You'd walk differently this week, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be a better truth teller this week if somebody paid the price right in front of you? You'd be stronger in your character. I'm here to tell you. You'd be stronger in your truth telling. But more than that, you'd understand the cosmic eternal implications of what we do when we tell a lie and how it affects the heart of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. And when you are less than the truth, when you say things less than the truth, you are against me. And guys, if we could understand, I guess what I'm trying to say here is this, this we don't realize it when we, when we take what is truthful and we bend it a little ways, or we, try to, we say something that's just, you know, two or three rungs away from the truth, whenever we do that, we don't realize how it wrecks the heart of God, how it hurts the heart of God. And I think starting place number one, if you want to get stronger in your character, and if this week you want to be a better truth teller, I think starting place number one is you realize and you get serious about who a holy and a perfect God is. And if people like me and you, who are, not the, who are wrongdoers all the time, if we get upset about somebody deceiving us, how much more so a God who's only ever always told the truth? Second thing, write this one down real quickly. You want to get stronger in your resolve, stronger in your courage, stronger in your character, stronger in your honesty? Fully grasp the damage that a lie can do. Fully embrace, fully grasp the damage that a lie can do. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm many of your pastors, and one of the things that I love to do, and I don't even know if y'all know this, sometimes when we're scheduling a lunch or something, I like to say, hey, can I come to your place? You know, I like to go to where you work. I think about people in this very I'm looking eyeballs with you right now. I, I like to go to where you work. I like to go to where you live. I like to, to experience your stories. I like to see where you live and what you do. And with many of you, when I've done that, I've heard your story, and I've heard how a lie hurt your heart and broke down a lot of things. I've sat across from people in this church who business partners lied to them, stole money from them, and did terrible, terrible things to them and they, their whole life changed because of a lie. I've sat across from people in this church who've been lied to by their father or their mother, and it affected their entire journey towards adulthood. I've sat across from people in this church who have said, you know what, I thought my marriage was built on the covenant and the vows we made, but it was a sham. It was a lie. Guys, lies tear down. And this morning, I don't always do this, but this morning, I just kind of want, I, I thought to myself, because I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this for weeks as I've been getting ready to share this message with you. I thought, I thought that I would look back on my life. At one time, a lie just really wrecked my world, shook my world, and, 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 and try to share a story with you that kind of helped you understand the impact that it had on me. Because sometimes that's helpful for people to be able to grasp the damage that a lie can do. When I was a baby Christian, when I, I became a Christ follower when I was 11 years old, called into the ministry when I was 13 years of age. 
when I was a baby Christian and I, I was looking for knowledge, it was when both of those incidents, becoming a Christ follower and call, being called to ministry, happened under the leadership of one pastor, one phenomenal pastor. He, he hung the moon in my eyes. I esteemed him probably too much. I put him on a pedestal way too much. But part of the reason I put him on a pedestal was because I got close to him. His son and, and, uh, became a close friend of mine. We didn't go to the same school, but his son was just a couple of years older than me, kind of took me under his wing. His son was taller than me, and, and uh, we would play tennis together. We'd play football together. His son was a dear friend of mine, and I kind of felt like all of a sudden I'd been adopted into this new family, you know, that was my pastor's family. This was the same man who who when I, I went to him and I said, God's called me into ministry, what am I supposed to do? And he said, why don't you go give your summer away to the Lord in mission and go away in missions? And, and it, was, it was during this time that I really began to adopt him as a spiritual father. Well, during this personal journey of mine, the church was exploding. I mean, he's a great pastor. It was one of those things where there wasn't an empty seat in the house and we were putting in extra seats in the church and, and, and it was one of the greatest moments of my church's existence or of my own church memory I had never seen my church function like that, and, and his leadership was phenomenal. But after five years of ministry in my local church there, he stood up one Sunday, and he said, um, I'm being moved away. of no choice of my own. I'm being moved away. I'm being appointed to a new church. The conference needs me over here and there. And I heard the story. My heart was broken. heart was broken. I thought I was losing a friend, a best friend in Frank. I thought I was losing a dear friend in my new pastor, this, this pastor that I had drawn so close to me. And then one day, I was playing tennis with Frank. We took a water break, and Frank told me the truth. Frank told me that this dear, beloved, pedestaled pastor of mine had stood before that body and taken an announcement four shades away from the truth. And that he was taking a new church because it was a higher salary. And he was taking a new church because he wanted to be back in the Atlanta area, not in the Augusta area. And that he had asked for the new church. And it was his choice. And as I sat there and, as I sat there and heard Frank's words, I sat silently. And I felt like a knife had been put in my heart because my pastor had lied to me and lied to our church. But he had lied to me. I'll never, I'll never forget the, the days and the weeks that followed that because I had so many questions. I had questions about even wanting to be back in the church again. And I was, I was already learning what it meant to be a leader, early leader in the church. And I had questions about whether I even wanted to be a, in the church. And I knew I was a Christian, but I thought, is this the way Christians do this? This is really bad, you know? This is not right. And I remember thinking to myself, the last thing I'd want to ever be was a pastor. If that's the way pastors act, if that's what they got to do, I don't, I'm out of that ball game. Not that, that check mark, that one, that's one of the things I won't be doing in my calling. And for weeks and months, I struggled. And I might even add years. I struggled with a lie. You know, we went back and repaired that. And that beloved pastor of mine stood there when my wife and I made covenant because he's still one of my spiritual fathers. But that doesn't mean that that deceit didn't tear me at the fabric of who I am and make me question a lot of hard things. I don't have to tell you more stories. You know when you've been lied to. 
you know when you've been deceived, and you know how it hurts your heart. And some of you have seen even worse things than others of us. But here's what you need to come to grips with if you want to be stronger this week in your courage, stronger in your character, stronger in your truth-telling. You need to come to grips with what a damage a lie can do in your family, what a damage a lie can do in your church, what damage a lie can do in your career. And you got to get serious about it. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men that are truthful. So what have I just said? Did you get that? Maybe you missed it. This week, as you journey through your life, as you're trying to grow stronger in your character, as you're trying to have a strong life, you have the choice when it comes to God. You can either have him detest you because you're going around telling untruths, or you can have him what? Delight in you because you are one of his truth tellers. You don't bend it. You don't shade it. You don't choose two rungs away. You tell the truth every time because you're made in the image of God. Got your pen? Third one real quickly. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to share some truths that can give you some resolve about how you can be a better, more stronger truth teller and have a stronger character. And the third one is this. Choose a day. Write that down. Choose a day. Any day, by the way. Choose a day. Choose any day to end all forms of deceit in your life. Now, what's interesting, follow me here, okay? A person who is sober now because they were once an alcoholic and they were part of AA can go back to the day. They can tell you the day. They said, enough is enough. A person who is a gambler who finally realizes destroying his life and he, le- he or she leaves that, that day, they can go back to that day they made that decision. A person who, you know, weighed way too much and then finally got serious about Weight Watchers or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden they made a life change, they can tell you that day. They can tell you the very day they made that change. And what I'm telling you today is, listen, and I want to write this down somewhere, every significant development in your character happens because you chose it to happen and you got serious. You said enough is enough. See, what I'm encouraging you to do is to say, okay, God, I want to do a little evaluation of myself and I want to see how I do here. And then to say, starting this day, no more. I am going to try to be like you because you only ever always tell the truth. And the Bible says, I've been made in your image. I want to be like you. So so what does that look like? Okay, I'm going to start with me again, okay? So for a couple of weeks, three, three or four weeks, I've been planning on preaching this message. And I've told you before, one of the beautiful things about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is it gets to work in me before I ever get to share it with you, right? And so I've been thinking for weeks about how I want to be a person who always only ever tells the truth, who doesn't bend the truth, who doesn't do this image management thing, who doesn't do this, okay, (laughs) yeah, but it would look better if I told this story instead. And you know what I realized about me? I realize that normally I don't tell 
big lies. Normally what I do is I just say something a little variant to where it might be if I ever do it. Case in point. Boy, my wife's going to get a kick out of this one. Case in point. My wife has found this neat app on her phone called iPhone Finder. I don't know if you know about that. She can track me wherever I am in the world. And by the way, that's quite all right, right? I've told her, babe, you can know where I'm at at any given time. I keep my phone with me. I don't, I don't mind my wife knowing where I'm at, right? But here's what I've learned. Uh, a few weeks ago, I'm driving down the road, and she says, well, where are you? And I say, I'm right next to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm on the way home, right? I'm right next to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. She said, no, you're not. You're just not getting off I-75. I'm thinking to myself, but by the time you hang up the phone, I'll be by Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know? And I think to myself, but I'm telling the truth, but I'm not, you know, because really KFC isn't sitting right there, right? And, and, and here's what I'm trying to share with you. I have found myself doing this time and time again. I was on the phone this week with my secretary, and man, did God quicken my spirit. When you get serious about this thing, you say, no, only ever always tell the truth from here on out. I'm on the phone with my secretary, and I said, I'll be there in five minutes. I knew I could have told her I'll be there when I get there. I could have, I'm the boss, right? I, 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 I could have I said, I could have said, um, hey, listen, I'll be there in less than 15 minutes. I could have said that. You know what I said? I said, I'll be there in five minutes. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I couldn't make it there within about, it was going to be somewhere between 10 and 12 minutes. I knew that. I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to know. I knew that. I'll be there in five minutes. Hung up the phone. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, really? I mean, and it was like, no, no, don't strike me dead. Don't strike me dead, God. You know, it's like I'm driving down the road thinking, oh, God, help me get this. And listen, I know I'm not alone. See, what I'm trying to say here, guys, if we want to be like Jesus and we really want to grow strong in our character, if we want the people we work with to see us as a strong Christ follower, if we want those people to see that, that our friends or our family members or our children or our, our grandchildren, we need to be the kind of people... Let me, let me, let me tell it to you Jesus' way instead of my way. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said uh, in the Scripture, he said, uh, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, you may have never understood what he meant by that Scripture, but what Jesus was saying was, don't, don't, don't say something and bend it to the left. Don't say something that's three shades left. Let it be yes let it be no, and if you're going to fudge it and you're going to put it in the middle, if you're going to gray it out from there, shut up. Shut up, because anything else you do is from where? Really, Jesus? I thought I was just telling my wife I was next to KFC because I was kind of trying to get you. I want her to think I was going to be home. No, no, according to Jesus, anything else is from the evil one. So what you and I need to do is we need to say, you know what, Jesus? I want to grow stronger in my character. I want to be the kind of truth teller that when I speak, somebody knows they can take it to the bank. They know it in my workplace. They know it in my church. They know it in my home. My family, my extended family, they know it. That's the kind of person I am. I don't say this, and it's a little bit left or a little bit right. What I say is the truth. Stephen, what would it look like today 
What if today was my day? What if I said, I'm going to choose today. I'm going to choose today to end all forms of deceit in my life. I'm not going to be about image management anymore. I'm not going to be about bending the truth. I'm not going to be about adding this or that or anything else. What am I going to do? Well, today I'm going to invite you. You see at the very bottom of that little outline? Today I'm going to invite you to make a pledge. You don't have to do this. As a matter of fact, when I ask you to stand up in a few minutes, you do not have, you can stand up, but you don't have to, you don't have to open your mouth. And I'm, but I am going to invite you to make a pledge. And many of you in this room, you are going to make a pledge to leave here today by the, by the best of your ability and by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk out of this place stronger in your character, stronger in your ability to be truthful, stronger in your honesty. And now here's, I want to put real quickly just the, the pledge up here on the screen. And before I ask you to stand, I just kind of want to walk you through it, okay? All right? First step. I serve a God who always, only, ever tells the truth. <laughs> i got to stop right there for a minute. Can I just brag on God for a minute? You have every reason to be proud of your God. I want you to think about that for a minute, guys. Your God has only, ever, always told the truth, not just to you, but to everybody. And when he has told you that he loved you, he wasn't playing. He wasn't going, oh, I don't really like you right now. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I love you, but I don't like you right now. No. When God says, I love you, he really meant it. He only ever always tells the truth. And you and I have something very proud to, to rejoice in, in that because we have a God who is the truth. I serve a God who always only ever tells the truth. From this day forward, with his help, I pledge to become a person who always, only, ever tells the truth. And in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to stand up. I'm going to invite you to make that pledge. And if you want to make that pledge and you want to go strong in your character, I'm going to invite you to open your mouth and full voice make that pledge. And this week, I'm going to invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when you bend the truth, Catch yourself before you bend it and don't bend it and tell the truth. And, and if you need to just say yes or no and let everything else not happen, you do that. And if you do say something that's untruthful, you go back and you do the courageous character thing and you say, you know what, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I need to tell you because of a pledge I made this week. I need to tell you what I just said was not exactly the truth. And you stand by your pledge and you get stronger in your character. Will we fail? We will fail. Because we will depend at some point on our own strength. But if we will listen to the Holy Spirit and have an have a ear towards heaven, He will help us to become like Him. To be truth tellers. And here's what I want you to know. It's not by chance that we've planned Holy Communion this morning. It's not because we hadn't done it in a while. I thought to myself, you know what? What better thing to seal a pledge than the covenant of Holy Communion and the reminder that we serve a God who sacrifices and died on the cross for us. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up and say that pledge. And then um, we're gonna, I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to invite our children in, and we're going to invite the worship team to lead us, and we're going to have a, a time of remembering the covenant that Jesus established with us. So if you want to make this pledge, would you stand with me?
All right, if you want to make this pledge with me, let's say this full voice. I serve a God who always, only, ever tells the truth. From this day forward, with His help, I pledge to become a person who always, only, ever tells the truth. Would you pray with me? Here we are, God, your people. We want to grow stronger in our character. We want to go stronger in our truth-telling. We want to be like you. We give thanks that you're a God who only ever always tells the truth. And Lord, today I pray that you would give each and every person who has made this pledge the power of your Holy Spirit to journey this week in their places of work and in their homes and, and even in their own private times, God, that you would give them the power to be brutally, seriously, on point, honest, that you would give them verbal precision, verbal accuracy to speak the truth. And Lord, I pray in so doing, you would be honored. You would delight in us. You would delight in us as your children. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.